Immersive, a podcast about game development and the diverse people who make it. My name is Jasmine. I'm a 3D environment artist from Cologne, Germany. And my name is Ash, and I'm an environment artist in North Carolina, USA. And today's special guest is an art director that works at Absolute Joy, Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for being with Thanks us here today. On. We're so excited. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Literally, like, <laughs> when I thought of people to bring on, I was like, hmm, who's fun and who likes to talk? Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an art director, so like most of the job is talking. So yeah, perfect. yeah. And um, I think for for me, especially, you've been such a like huge positive uh, force in my uh, art career so far. And um, I just, you know, it, it it's just nice to have you on, so we can like talk about you and let everyone else know how awesome you are that's the point oh that's so kind i appreciate that because ash you're just incredible so the fact that i've been able to have any any part of your journey is like you deserve it you're amazing so yeah i'm so excited to talk about that stuff everything you have done has paid and will continue to pay dividends in my life like trust okay um (laughs) but you know kind of like moving on to um topic one um i was kind of wondering how did you become an art director like what does that path kind of look like because it feels like to me like um from a person doesn't necessarily know that much about like the previous side of things like art direct you don't just you you can't just start there like what do what did like your work before look like to get you to where you are now like what were oh, the kinds of jobs and things like what were the stepping stones mm-hmm. it's funny because i have so many opinions on the comment you just said about like you can't really start there um Uh but i feel like we can get we can get into that later after we talk about like the setup for things but oh man yeah i have so many opinions about that so um yeah how did i start as an art director i feel like in a lot of ways i've had a really non-traditional path in the game industry because like i've wanted to work in games since i was a little a little small dork when I was like six, I had, um, I was really into Warcraft, so into Warcraft. And so I had like the Warcraft one because I'm old um, instruction manual that had all the old like pencil drawings of the different oh. characters, like the trolls and stuff. And I thought they were yeah, so yeah. cool. Um, and I remember I would just like, I would just look at, I would just read the instruction manual all the mm-hmm. time and be like, wow, so cool. And then at one point I asked my father um like what are who drew these who Mm. drew these drawings in the instruction manual which was like the then concept art before we really talked about concept art in the way that we do now where everyone knows what it is and my dad was like oh that's someone's job to draw the characters for the game and i was like oh i want to do that that's what i want to do when i grow up Mm. and from that point it was just like this singular path of like all I wanted to do was work in games, basically. Um, so I might give like a brief overview of just like, yeah, what my path was to also yeah. provide context of it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I basically worked way too hard all through my teen years uh, and sacrificed a lot of my childhood in the pursuit of art. Um, and then I ended up, uh, I went to Sheridan College 
and mm-hmm. got a degree in technical and scientific illustration, which is a program that does not exist there anymore because most of what I learned to do is now done by computers for like CAD okay. programs and stuff like that. It was a weird degree. But I learned a lot of cool, weird stuff about like how the world works. Like we like had people from like the nearby ornithology institute bring in a hawk and like pull out the wing and show us how a hawk's wing works and like Ooh. drew uh drew dead bodies that were in formaldehyde jars and um <laughs> took apart engines to understand how they work so it was like i didn't do a tremendous amount of drawing but i did a lot of like figuring out how the world works um and then i was incredibly lucky to be graduating uh i graduated college in 2011 which was around when the mobile game industry was really popping off Mm -hmm. and so it was this very singular and strange point in time where there were just tons of entry-level game jobs for people who were also predominantly 2d and i was like all 2d Mm. no 3d at that point so it was like there were just job postings for like entry-level background painters that you could just apply for Mm -hmm. and do a really like the the quote-unquote normal way that people (laughs) get jobs in like normal industries where it's like you see the job posting you apply for the job you do a little interview and then you like go and get the job so that was like actually (laughs) how I got a job I just applied to a couple different places I interviewed well and just got my first job which was um, I was a background painter on the Degrassi Junior High mobile game, which oh. is very Canadian. So I had a really wow. Canadian foray into the industry. And so I was at that studio for a number of years and I worked my way up to being an art director within that studio. It was like a weird combination of things where I just naturally like doing lead type things. Cause I kind of, I think I have like a, a tendency to see like the overall view of stuff and like why yeah. are we doing these things where do they fit into the project and that I think that kind of mentality just leads well to so to speak being a lead um and it was also that like that studio I was at didn't have an art director and we really really needed one like it was kind of startup-y like nobody knew what they were doing in mobile games in that era so it was sort of like whatever artists got to the pitch first their style was sort of the art direction and then people would be like i guess <laughs> we'll emulate that and it was just like such a wild way to work so uh, like the studio had about 80 people at its peak mm. and so at one point i was like this doesn't make sense the way that we're working like we need to have someone who's like setting the direction of things i think that could be better so i sort of fell into doing that role just because i saw a need and after doing that role for of like being an art director for a couple months i ended up just going to hr and being like hey this is the job I've been doing. Formalize it and give me a raise. And they were like, no, okay. <laughs> and they oh, just did it. So, um, yeah. I think there were just like a lot of weird circumstances that maybe could have only happened in that very strange era in mobile games that mm. like I was an art director at 25 and I don't think that happens a lot uh, in this industry. Yeah. So yeah so that was kind of how i got into being an art director um again i have a lot of opinions about how people get into art direction that maybe are better for later but uh um, sure, 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 sure. yeah so then uh i i had like worked my way up from being like a production artist to i was a lead artist so i was um a lead on just a small team then to being the art director of the whole studio and like setting direction for things like that 
from there, I had a very brief stint as a creative director at a local studio that was like starting up an internal game division. I frankly got very, very depressed there because it was like really similar to the job I had just done. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm it, it's I feel like I'm in this weird loop where I'm just doing the same problem solving for the same types of people mm-hmm. on the same teams. So I sort of uh, like unceremoniously quit my job as a creative director because I was just like, this is not working for me. Um, and then I decided to go freelance and I was going to kind of take a break from the industry for a bit. Mm. Um, but then it like word got out that I went freelance and I just started getting job offers. Mm. And you know how there's the whole thing with freelance where they're like, it's all feast and famine. You get a bunch of jobs and then you get zero jobs and you got to live on what you did when it, when it was like the land of plenty. So when I got job offers, I was like, oh, I have to take these because they will be the last jobs I will get for probably Yo. my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that. Real. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Freelance gang in the chat right now. Yes. Right now. Like, yes. Totally. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll 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 take these jobs that have come in now, because surely they will be the last I get for a while. <laughs> and that was how I worked for five years straight with no breaks. Oh, <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so I was like, I'll take a sabbatical. And then, no, because it just, like, the jobs just kept coming, and I just kept taking them. In hindsight, probably means I should have been charging more money so oh, that more sure. people were going – oh, okay, we can't actually offer you this because we're out of budget. But I just took everything because I just, I felt this real scarcity mentality mm. about where I was at because everyone talks about how hard freelance is. And yeah, I think I had that yeah. really cemented in my mind yeah. of like, it's gonna, it hasn't gotten bad yet by some stroke of luck. So surely I just have to prepare. But then it like never did get bad. Thank so God. So now when I, when I talk to, <laughs> yeah, it's really, um, so when I talk to people who are like very, uh, like I have so many friends who are incredible artists, delights to work with, and they are reticent about going freelance because they're like, it's so hard. And it's like, I think it can actually be easy too. It, it's hard in other ways. Like, how do I stop my body from falling apart? Or, <laughs> you know, why are my knees making that sound when I sit down? You know, um, but I didn't have too much trouble with like getting work. Though I will also say it's clearly because I had worked in the industry before. Like going directly into freelance, I think is a totally different prospect, way more difficult. Like I had the benefit of connections and people I already knew. So it was easy to just kind of like tap into my network I already had established in that way. So um, I think my experience would be way different if I had out of school gone to be a freelancer. But uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, freelance for a while. That turned into co-founding an indie studio called Sonderlust. Worked there for a couple of years. We did a seven-figure funding raise, which was very exciting. Mm. And then kind of got that all set up, and I decided to move on from that and just sort of fell into my current gig um, at Absurd Joy, which we're a weird experimental VR game experiences, maybe not games sort of company, and it's like the weirdest stuff I've ever been doing, and it's been very cool. So that's the... TLDR, maybe a long version of what my CV is. I always like to give context because it's like there are so many different paths to the game industry. Sure, you both know. And I always like giving the context where, like, what I say as an art director is probably going to be different from what a person who has like worked their way up the ladder at Ubisoft would say with their experiences. So there's always 
big asterisk of like everything I say here is based on my own experiences. And I think my path is like a fairly atypical one. So, yeah, I can kind of um, relate to that a little bit because I feel like even uh, between me and Jasmine, like our our starting points were so different because with me, I went to art school and I didn't want to be a game artist. I wanted to be I wanted to be an animator. Like I wanted to work on like Disney films. But yet I'm here in game art now, <laughs> like, because like, there's just certain events happened where like, I'm here and I'm enjoying myself. And it's kind of nice to see people have um, a little bit more atypical paths, because like, I don't know, like, you can kind of get sucked into this thought that there is one way to, to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. And there's just so much variable by existing as a human being that that's just not like I think I think we try to do it because we try to have like a safe way to do things generally like oh this is like the path that you can have to become whatever but it's not it's not always like that like sometimes you um sometimes life is like hey what if you freelanced right now that's what happened to me because I wasn't planning on it it just happened to me and that's also like a valid sort of route you know like everyone's different and so yeah hopefully sure. people don't feel too bad even though i know people do feel bad for feeling like for having like a different path for like whatever reason like their degree was like not art originally or they're like older in quotes than like <laughs> everyone else or whatever and they're just getting their start there's just there's just a lot of ways to like do the thing it's just about me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so well said. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't even go into the industry wanting to be an art director. It just sort of happened because I found that I like, oops, I really like this type of work. But it's even with getting that, like, I felt so invalid in my career for like, honestly, up until like maybe a couple of years ago, because there's this really dominant idea of like, here's what it's supposed to look like. Here's what it's supposed to be. And like, honestly, a lot of times that gets divined by people who are not marginalized. So they also don't have to figure out different paths for how to get there. And it's like, I felt so invalidated and like such a fraud for such a long time because I was like, well, this is such a weird path. It means that I am sneaking around or yeah. doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. And it's like, it's wild the ways that we can do mental gymnastics to justify our own invalidation. And it's only a couple of years ago, I've been like, oh, my path is really cool. Like I've gotten yeah. to do so much different stuff. It's so awesome. It's so neat. And like, it doesn't mean that I'm lesser than because I didn't do what I thought this career was supposed to look like when I was mapping out my goals as like a 16 year old, which I think a lot of right. us do. We have this idea of right. oh, dream yes. career. And then if we deviate yeah. from that, it's like, oh, somehow we've like let down our past selves. Yeah, it's like, no, we've learned true. and adapted. Yeah. We're wiser, right? Yeah. Like that's so the, the craziness that, that that's just such a, a thing that people do, like, everyone well not everyone but a lot of people do is that they like do that thing right like they're they're sitting there at 15 16 or even like i know people who did it at like 10 11 12 who are like i'm gonna be a comic artist and it's just you're like why weren't you running outside <laughs> like why <laughs> because like, like something on the flip side that will kind of that i've kind of seen lately which is kind of sad is like i will see people who are 15, 16, stressing out about their game art portfolios that they've been working That's on so for four cool. years. And I'll be like, wait, you're 15. You've been learning 3D art on your own for four years, meaning you started at 11. Why weren't you outside running around? Why are you like 
stressing out about not getting a job at 15 like yeah it, that was fully me i like didn't have teenage years honestly and it's like it sucks because you know i had to i really had to work for what i got and i didn't have really a safety plan or backups or help or anything uh so on one hand i'm like isn't that great that you know you can have very little and work really hard to get to where you are but on the other hand i'm like no one should have to do that that shouldn't be a requirement into the quote unquote privilege of getting into this industry like you shouldn't have to give your life for it and it's like honestly a real travesty that sometimes we can only see that after we've sacrificed so much yeah and it's like i don't know what i don't know what the solution to that is like we need more entry-level positions in the industry we need more formalized mentorship to get people in because it's like we shouldn't have to give our lives to do this thing the point of doing a game art job is that it's supposed to be fun and enriching and getting to make things that help people and matter and it's like if like the cost can be too high and it's hard to Mm -hmm. see when when you're in it it's yeah. like already during uni, I was just stressing out so much that I need to work on my portfolio. I was freelancing at the same time and like doing all these things at once because I just wanted to be ready afterwards and it did help. But I didn't have really much time for anything else in those three years. And uni went by so fast and I was already working and it's kind of like, okay, um, now I have to go back to full time now, <laughs> kind of just continuing the thing I already did for three years. So it's... Yeah it's hard to like find that balance so it's good to stress that you don't have to like be constantly stressed out about your career and always be like i need to work 24 hours a day to get somewhere especially when you're so young like most of us like i think Asher and I, like, I didn't even know until i was 20 what i want to do like i got out of high school i was doing things on and off for like a couple of years doing graphic design doing calligraphy doing working in a bike shop and i just didn't really know and then when i found 3d i was like okay i want to try this out i don't know if it will get anywhere but i'll try it so i don't think you need to like stress out so early especially when you said there's 16 year olds who are worrying about their portfolios like please don't please you have time like it's such an ageist thing as well in this industry sometimes that you need to be successful at a super young age and it's like no you don't have to like your life doesn't end after 30 like stop (laughs) we have time that's the thing for sure is that i think that like people on this rock that's flying through space at jillian miles an hour we um place so much um importance on prodigies yeah like child prodigies and things like oh man look at this little girl who can play uh some music something or stuff like that but like you don't really hear about um or, or it's not really as celebrated as much as like someone who started stuff way 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 later and not even like 20s not even 30s like even later than that yeah like like and 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 it 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 kind of puts like this pressure on on everyone because it's definitely gotten to me and it kind of like ties into a little bit of what I said before we started recording like stuff that's been on my mind lately is that like I am very good at working myself like all of my hobbies are very like skills based like like and so it's very easy to be like oh if I'm not working on it because I know that like working on stuff in like little pieces is good and I think that most people understand that like and I think that's kind of like what happens um with um artists as well is that I think that um artists might be a little bit aware a little bit too aware of time and 
I think we understand that like working at something like a little bit every day or sometimes a lot every day is going to pay like some sort of return. And um, it's just that like, because we could get so freaked out about like losing time, maybe that we push ourselves to that degree and, and why you might have someone at like in their teenage years or whatever, who kind of like understands, Oh, I have to get ahead as soon as possible. Yeah. Like, really sacrificing i don't know like i could i could think about it and talk about it all all day it's it's um i'm glad you're okay now Lindsay, or that you're getting to be okay because oh, i'm thank sure that, you. Like, that stuff like that it probably is like a lot to kind of um like unpack yeah when you're on the oh other absolutely sure it's been a like- journey and it's it's a hilarious irony because like the points that you've both previously made of like the way like because I totally when I was like a teenager I would give myself like 12 hours a day like I would start a timer and be like 12 hours of drawing a day this is how we get better and like just the transactionalization of life itself and like the the irony is like I I use concept art as an example a lot because it was sort of my singular vision ironically didn't even I kind of am a concept artist but also kind of not Um, but it certainly applies to like all different jobs within the industry and creative jobs that we sacrifice ourselves for that it's this idea of like you sacrifice your life for the art but the whole point of art is to communicate aspects of life that we want to share and present to people and it's like I think that's where we end up with like a lot of games and artists where it all feels very samey and very mm-hmm. derivative because yeah. it's a bunch of artists and all they do is make art and talk about art and look at art. And it's like, you're not providing any interesting fuel for yeah. the machine that is your brain. So I think that was like a huge lesson for me of like, my art gets better when I work less because my ideas are better when I have more things to pull from. Cause I've experienced stuff and seen things and felt things. And I'm not just like this automaton who's always drawing in my apartment and not experiencing mm. anything else. So it's like, yeah, my painting skills might've gotten better if I kept doing nothing but studying 12 hours a day, but the things I'd be painting would be more lifeless and they'd be less interesting and less visionary. So it's like, I think there's a balance to strike and it's like a, it's a great tragedy that this is a thing that we all do to ourselves you know like jasmine i'm sure that your experiences of like you say you worked in a bike shop and stuff like <laughs> i'm sure that made you so much of a better artist in the long run than if you like just immediately got into st- like as an 11 year old being like all i can do is art because it's like i almost feel like my experience has been that like i've had to like re-meet myself like yeah. i've had to re-figure out who i am and like why i'm here like my whole goal as a child even was to get into the games industry. And then I got into the games industry at like 20 and I was like, what is my life now? But I was like, what do I do? Like I did the thing that I wanted to do. And I basically had this like weird period of my early twenties where I felt like I had to learn how to be a person. And I was like, I guess I'll read books. And I like was listening to podcasts and just trying to do things. Cause I felt like I was just so aware of how one dimensional my life was. This thing is a weird thing that, is compulsory you know it's kind of relatable like i was saying to ash to this like last year as well that i need to find like other hobbies outside of art because i've became that person i was spending so much time on my art on work like the times i didn't spend on uni stuff i was working on freelance stuff that was art so it's like everything was just art so i also sat down i was like right i would like to learn languages i would like to maybe learn how to dance how to like read more books that i like i like i'm actually super into history i should do more of that and like just research and do things that i enjoy 
And since I've been doing that for the past three months, I feel so much better and kind of find myself again how I was maybe before even doing art. And that's just so nice to actually do. And many people, I think, forget that when they've been doing art for so long and that's all they've become because it's like such a huge part of our lives, but it shouldn't be the only part of our lives. I think that's mm. a huge takeaway. And I, that's great that you also brought that up, I think. Yeah, that's so Thank lovely. You. That's so lovely. <laughs> and it's like, the whole point of art is to express something that only we can express. So it's like, when we just get into these myopic cycles of only looking at art, it's like, yeah. that's not actually you expressing yourself. Yeah. That's you expressing like the world that you've immersed oneself into. Ooh, so that's sure. lovely. It's all, it's all about the spice. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all about the spice. Oh man, now if only I'll actually do it. Eyes emoji. Um, <laughs> We'll that's where that's where friends bullying you comes in yeah, i have a lot absolutely. of friends that when i'm like what if i just pull an all-nighter they're like or you could not do that and instead exactly. come to dinner with us like obviously in the before <laughs> times or whatever in the before times um, yeah, 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 yeah yeah it's like i i feel like sometimes i need a support network of other people to help me yeah. take care of myself and be a, a person with more than yeah. one dimension you know <laughs> when you falter yeah. having people that can take care of you it's important absolutely really important um, sure. and, and it's again why like community is so paramount like it was paramount before Absolutely. it's more paramount now because yeah. if not for the community that I've like um been able to be a part of um recently I would not be playing games like I do now I wouldn't be mm -hmm. like relaxing watching videos on YouTube because like whenever I message a friend or say in voice chat yeah yeah you know like i know i like worked all day but i think i'm gonna do some more work they're like what if exactly the same way they're like what yep. if you just stopped what if you just stopped <laughs> doing you don't have to do things all the time or like what if you i don't know did, did something much more indulgent for once because it's not like i feel like a lot of people are um well, maybe not a lot of people. I don't know a lot of people like that, but I feel like people like me are already driven. We were born driven. That's how we came out of the packaging is driven. So yeah. agree. Yeah. So like, if I if I take uh, a break uh, today or this week, it's not going to be the end of the world. Even though I'm going to feel like it's yeah. the end of the world, uh, but it's it's probably not going to be the end of the world. And um, I need to do a lot better on that for sure. That for sure. I don't burn out. Don't get it. It's a process. There's a lot of forces in the world and society, even outside of the industry that, you know, capitalism, like kind of yeah. makes us yeah. feel like our worth is our productivity. And it's like, that's literally like what the culture we're in is. So, 100%. you know, it's a hard force to rally against as an individual as well. Cause yeah. like, there are so many little ways that we are also told to you know, keep working, keep being productive. Moving on from that topic, I was actually wondering if you could give us like a small insight, what your current day-to-day -day work looks like as an art director? Is there anything that you especially enjoy? Is there even something that maybe is quite a challenge for you? It'd be quite interesting to know, I think, for anyone just to see what you do as an art director currently. Yeah, and so I love this question because I feel like especially for people outside of the industry, there's a lot of like mysticism yeah. about <laughs> what art directors actually do. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. know what art directors did before I got into the industry. And even I was in the industry for a, a year or two before I was like, oh, I understand what this job is. So um, 
just to give an overview, I would kind of break down the job of an art director as being two components. They're sort of like two big parts of the job. So it's, and I'm sure you two know this, but you know, for listeners. No, please, um, I'm yes. here for education. <laughs> we want to hear. Um, so I kind of see it as like, there's the visionary part of it, and then there's the management part of it. So the visionary part is I think what a lot of people think of primarily when they think of art directors, it's figuring out what the game look like and based on who do we want to play this game, what sort of things does the player feel, um, what sort of the th things does the player do, um, helping to communicate what the game design is, a lot of that. So it's both communication and like eliciting feeling in the player. Uh, and that usually is in the form of either, for me, I usually do my own concept art, um, doing like mood boards, visual research, like pulling in other references, doing concept pieces to communicate what the style of the game is, what the palette is, what the atmosphere is, what the mood is. So that's kind of like the the visionary role of it. And again, I think that's what people typically think of uh, art directors as doing. The second part is the management aspect, which I would say is like certainly a dominant amount of the job and becomes more of the proportion of the work you do the longer the project is. So mm -hmm. in the initial stages, I'll be doing pretty much entirely visual development work on defining what a, what a game looks like. But then the longer we get in production, it's less like viz dev because you kind of already figured out what your plan is. And then it's just making sure people stick to that. So I kind mm -hmm. of use the analogy of the first part of it is you're drawing a map for a journey that a lot of other people are going to take that you're not actually taking yourself. You're drawing a map for your art team. And what your job is, is every once in a while, you point at the map and go, oh, let's stick to this path. And like, oh, we're veering off course here and helping make the journey for the other people um, better and more pleasant and, and sticking to what you all agreed the journey was going to be. So in that sense, it's funny because I think a lot of people have an idea, I think erroneously, that art directors are like the best artist on the team. Mm. And it's like, if, if you're the art director, it's cause you're the goodest. And I just like, <laughs> so disagree with that. But it's like, art directors are the support class. Mm -hmm. You're not doing the most DPS. You're not the best healer, but you are crucial for the team. You're doing the buffs. You're the bard, you're the paladin, you're the shaman, depending on what RPG you play. And it's yeah. like, you make every other person in your party better, but you yourself are not the best at mm -hmm. any one thing, but you're still crucial for the team to keep it together. Mm. Like passive buffs is definitely how I see it. <laughs> so with that in mind, what my day-to-day -day work is kind of differs depending on where I am in the project. Early in a project, it could be all painting concept art, all doing visual research, things like that. And then, yeah, later in the project, it's me guiding the art team. So it's sort of like making sure that they're following the vision, following what the concept art was to define what the style of the game is. Uh, and a lot of times that just involves a lot of me painting on top of other people's 3D models yeah. and just doing iterative cycles. So for people who aren't mm -hmm. super familiar with like art pipelines, it is iterative, meaning that like you kind of take a first pass and then you have a big discussion about what things need to be tightened up mm -hmm. or changed. And then you just keep working with the person on iterative processes, basically like, 
you you do a sketch of a thing like usually someone on the art team will do like a first pass on a 3d model for an environment or something based on what the concept art is and then you talk about like ooh, can we get like the highlights brighter here or how about the textures on the leaves can we do this and so i'll just do like a paint over on someone on my art team's 3d model and we have a chat about it and it's basically like you're never gonna fully 100 percent hit what the concept art or vision is there's so many compromises you have to make usually because of technical limitations or sometimes because what the plan is can change a little bit in the early stages of making a game. So it's sort of like I do a concept art, they do a 3D model, I paint on the 3D model, we chat, they change the 3D model. We basically repeat, 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 essentially until you run out of time or money. Um, <laughs> it's never really done. It's just like done enough yeah. to be good. Uh, so that's basically what my job is and it's just like a lot of talking a lot of talking about mm. art um a lot of talking about vision stuff and in a lot of cases like i had mentioned before that i sort of see um art directors as being like a middle manager mm -hmm. but it's like i think it's not as glorious as people make it out to be and i would love to see us demystify the role as an industry that it's really yeah. like you're like a producer but for art stuff basically yeah. um yeah that's so it's just a lot of chatting about things and like figuring stuff out um oh. and in a lot of cases you're sort of like the conduit between the creative director and the rest of the art team Mm -hmm. um so a lot of times in my role i will be talking to the creative director who's the primary vision holder mm -hmm. and then also talking to like the producer do we have things on track i'll be talking to narrative designers like what do we want people to feel in this part of the game and that will influence what the design of the art is there also talking to the game designer like what mechanics are happening what sort of things are the player doing here because that all affects what the art needs to look like so you're sort of like the glue in getting the <laughs> gestalt of the cohesive vision between art kind of holding everything together. And it's like, art is what people see when they look at screenshots of a game, when they're trying to figure yeah. out if they want to buy it or play it or not. And it's, in a lot of cases, I, I consider it like the first handshake that the game gets to have with other people. And it's like, it, it's your first impression. So it's important to make it a good one and also make sure that the art supports every other department in that way. Mm. So yeah, that's really the job. Yeah, it's, it's the, you know, just that. <laughs> no, that's a whole lot, like, especially the management part thing. And a lot of um, jobs in our industry, people overlook the management side of it. They always just go, I just Absolutely. want to sit and do art all day, zero management. But then they get confronted like, with management programs, even like Jira and Confluence and Purpose and all these things. And it's like, you need to do these things, too. That's how you get everything going and like continuing Absolutely. to go and finish. So I think that's really interesting. One thing I wanted to ask is, do you think there's something that especially people who are new to the industry should be prepared for to work with an art director? Is there something that you should like kind of keep in mind or prepare yourself and that you um, get used to like having somebody like an art director working with? Because you wouldn't have that at university or even like when you just do like little freelance gigs, sometimes you're just so disconnected from the project. Um, it'd be good to like know how you can prepare yourself. That's such a good question, my goodness. Um, yeah, I think a big thing is uh, trusting the art director, trusting the feedback that they're giving and trusting that like, I see my job as like, I have a zoomed out more um, like macro level view of what the project is. So sometimes I might give an artist a piece of feedback to change something that they like, love about a design or think is really cool, but 
it has to go because it is either like too distracting, it like breaks the visual hierarchy of a scene, doesn't fit with the narrative team. There are so many things the art director has to consider that actually have nothing to do with the design itself. So it's sort of like, as an art director, you have a macro view so that the artists on your team can have a micro view. So um, I think the best thing that a, a new artist can do is just like trust that the art director is giving you feedback and it might be based on something that you can't see or don't have oversight on. And it is the right choice for the game. And I think that seeing stuff as the goal is making a game that is good, that people like. The goal is not making one piece of art or one design that's good. And it, it's so hard to get into that mind state as new artists in the industry because the way we learn and the way we talk to each other is like here's my 3d character i did or here's my piece of concept art i did and you see that as the be all end all but you have to like realize that you are making one piece one tiny piece of this huge thing that needs to work together in harmony yes. so just trusting that like the art director is the person guiding you down this path and just knowing that like what they're asking is for a reason even if it's frustrating even if it makes no sense even if you have to throw out like a drawing that you spent maybe six weeks on or like a design that you're figuring out for a long time and just like being open to the fact that they are thinking about stuff you don't have to think about and that's where a lot of the feedback comes from and then yeah just especially that like it's not about making a pretty picture it's about making a good video game and sometimes mm -hmm. those things aren't always in harmony sometimes mm -hmm. you might design things in a way that don't make sense or seems like not as cool of a drawing but it's going to make a better game and that's kind of like why we're all here is to make cool games together collaboratively that's so interesting i think a lot of that could apply even to your own art that you do in your personal time like that the big picture matters and not that you should like get too distracted with micro details or worrying about like you know all the small things nobody would notice because i always think to myself like in a game if somebody would play my level or my environment would they notice this should i spend another week on fixing this maybe not <laughs> that's like something that's basically seems like art directors have to in like let people know that you shouldn't be worrying too much about all the small things like the big th big thing matters in the end Absolutely. Oh, so well said, Jasmine. I wish that, like, I want to record that sound clip and make every new artist in the <laughs> oh, industry God. listen to it. That it's like so well said. Yes, that it's. I think that artists should constantly be asking themselves, like, why am I, why am I making this? What matters about this? What's important? Because it's so, yeah, it's so easy for us to like get hyper focused on things that like don't actually matter that much, and like the ideas matter sometimes more than the execution. And asking oneself, like, what's the point of this piece? And just making sure all the choices go to that towards yeah. what the point of the piece is. And if a, if effort is going towards something that is not the point of the piece, then maybe don't spend any effort there and make your life easier, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Man, I think um, something kind of going off of that a little bit, um, what Jasmine said, I definitely think that since we are game artists and since we hang around... Um, a lot of game artists, it can be so easy to kind of get like, like even when it comes to playing game, uh, like games or whatever, we'll be like, oh man, look at this seam. And it's like a normal person is not going to realize what that is. No. A seam exactly. is not going to break the immersion no. of this cutscene. But like what we do and what I do is I look at the seam and I'm like, I could never get away with this seam, even though it's in a game that makes money. Like, <laughs> someday you will. Oh, Such a good point. I, I so sure. I, I say this all the time that it's like the real key to being a good game artist is not to do your best 
every time because it's impossible. We are so limited on time and budgets and stuff. It's getting good enough that most people can't tell the difference between your 90% effort and your 70% yeah. effort. That even if you have a real shit day and really like do not do your best effort and you're like, that's not my best character design, that it's still good enough for yeah. most people because it's like, we are artists talking to artists. We're not making art for other artists no. in most cases. We're making yeah. art for people who play video games. There's a lot of stuff that happens in a video game. Like think about like, I think a lot about like attention economy of the player. Mm. Like if the mm. player is getting shot at by a big <laughs> monster with gun, they're probably not gonna notice the texture seam on a jug that only shows up behind <laughs> columns. And the only people who are going to notice that are other environment artists who are like, wait, got like, when I was playing Destiny 2 with friends, I was constantly stopping the story missions to be like, no, look at this rug. Look at how good this rug is, guys. Stop, stop, stop. And it's like, but most people aren't playing like that. And you know what? Like, worst case scenario, you have a little error that another environment artist notices. Like, they get to feel smart. So you still did something nice yeah. for them in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of pressure away, I think, as well, especially for new totally. people in the industry. They're always probably scared that they have to give their one million percent because they're new, totally. because they're like getting into it. But hearing that most people don't even care that much and it's okay to give you seventy percent or sixty percent, like that's so nice. That like really calms even me down, just to be like, okay, oh, it's fine. Sure. I don't need to do this all the time. Perfect. Nobody cares that much. It's just you Absolutely. who cares that much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think maybe even like a even better way to think about it is like like kind of going off of like like what is the most important in the thing that you're working on. Like it's probably important if it's like um like an asset or something that's like a hero prop or something that's in yeah, focus. Like totally. maybe you can put that. 90% in there. However, the the barely seen off of the distance might as well be an LOD object. Like, that doesn't yes. have, yes. <laughs> you don't have to go super deep on, like, the bake for that. It could just work and be done. Because that's yeah. something that I've, like, on my personal project, something that I've, like, realized is that I, w I worked really hard on a chandelier. And I was like, oh, man, I have to get it just right. I have to put all this detail in it. And then I went in my scene and I'm like, you barely see it in any yeah. other shot. <laughs> and that like, moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or even like, or even other things like, like, oh man, I worked really hard on my ceiling, which I am very, very proud of, and I will be showing it because it has to be seen at this point. But it's just here, like, if I hadn't like, like, planned it after the fact, so where you can see it a little bit more, you probably wouldn't have seen it anyways. You probably won't see, like little objects like that so that's something i'm trying to remember about yeah planning projects the thing i think the ability to see that is like the mark of a good artist in my opinion like being a really truly great artist who's great to work with is just people who can think about where their effort goes in a way like that and like the analogy i like to use is are you making the Nathan Drake or are you making a rock? And it's like, yes, spend spend effort making the Nathan Drake very good because that's what the player sees a lot. But yeah. the stuff that doesn't matter as much, you don't have to put as much effort in. And like, that's a big part of being an art director too is like dictating the visual hierarchy of the game scene. Like what is the player looking at the most? What are they looking at secondary? And just making sure that the effort is 
appropriate to where things are in the hierarchy. So as an individual artist on a team, especially new artists, being able to have that sight into it and say like, oh, well, this is not as important. So I'm not going to spend 50 hours on this like vase that shows up in one scene. Like that is the mark of a fantastic artist. Cause it also like, it alleviates some of the cognitive load that the art director has to do. Cause they don't have to yeah. like micromanage people and be like, why are you spending so much time rendering this crate texture that doesn't show up very much and things like that. So yeah, it's, a, it's, I think just like zooming out and asking ourselves questions a lot as artists and especially new artists is such a like great way to be awesome to work with too. This is like a really great point maybe to have a little break to have our guests to think about, you know, that the big We're picture matters. Yourself. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 and we'll be right back after that. So see you soon.